really awesome to have you on. I know that you have a lot of things going on and there's a lot of stuff blowing up, especially your Twitter, your lifestyle, and like so many other things. But thank you so much for doing this, bro. Uh, this is a mental health and fitness podcast, but I definitely want you to be on here for just just to talk about who you are, introduce yourself, you know, talk about your story, and then we can just kick it from that. That works. Okay. Yeah. Sounds good. Thanks for having me. I'm glad to be on. It's been a minute since we talked. Yeah. So, hey. Hey, let's go. Let's go. So, uh, know a little bit about your story. You do a lot of stuff such as like dancing. You're on the Netflix series, The Mole. Shout out The Mole to front of. Um, and I know like you love to travel and stuff. So, a little bit about you is like, you know, um, you like to like meet new people and do different things. What is your motivation behind that about with just traveling and your style? Because one thing I noticed in Instagram is like you like to wear like nail polish and and and. and and hype yourself up and you know you just have like a cool style that i really appreciate like urban a little bit right so yeah inspiration behind that yeah um i mean i guess the inspiration is honestly others i mean i'm an opportunist firstly like if if an opportunity presents itself to me in the world i firmly believe in taking it i also believe in taking every opportunity that comes that i didn't even go for sometimes if something finds you then you chase it and that'll snowball into some other opportunity. And in my life, it always has been that way. If I go for a lot in my life, one of those things sticks. Well, then through that opportunity, I firmly believe that I'll get the next opportunity. And it sort of always lines up. And you, you start to kind of realize that if you just go for everything, things when doors just open up that you didn't expect to open up in your life. And then you could just ride the wave because ultimately we're human, you know, like we're not meant to. We're not meant to just be boxed into some category of person as we tend to do to ourselves. We can actually do it all. And I believe that you could do it all, do whatever you want to do in life while also, you know, being professional, being artistic, being fashionable, being proud of your South Asian heritage, but also blending into the United States of America where we were born and raised. So there's a there's a balance that you could definitely strike and there's always time for everything. And I think you're doing a great job because like our parents, I mean, I'm sure your parents are like immigrants too. Um, you know, just like taking the most advantage of like your surroundings is like what they raise us to be. Right. So uh, that being said, I feel like, you know, you're doing like a great job and stuff, but how do you keep yourself uh, like, just, I guess like, do you like, how do you keep yourself like just hundred percent you and not get lost in this creative space and doing like so many things at once? Cause I find that if I'm even thinking about your shoes, I find that a little overwhelming for me even. Right. So like I'm trying to learn from you, like, how do you how do you kind of keep up with that and cope a little bit? You have like like people that, you you know, kind of just feel like they're home and then, you know, you back you, you backtrack and go into this lifestyle creativity. Like, how do you do it? Yeah, I mean, I think it starts with the people in your life, the people in your life that what I what I call actually what my girlfriend named and then I kind of just took it from her. What I call like your tier one type of humans. And, you know, everyone has a circle and. I've like condensed my circle of trust, my circle of people to like a finite number of people that I know that I can maintain close contact with always that I know have my best interest in mind. And yeah. I also know that there's so many people in the world that if one or two people wrong you at some point in life, that doesn't mean that you have to, that doesn't mean that you have to dwell on it and you have to get, regret your relationship with them. I think every opportunity, every relationship with another human is a, is a learning lesson. And so once you get that core group of people who you know are your support system, who are in your corner to support everything that you do, whether it's your parents or your friends 
or your significant others, whoever it is. Um, I think that that becomes your sounding board for all the ideas that you have in life. And that's what I do with my tier ones, as I like to call them. I, sound, I, I use them as soundboards and I say, hey, I want to do this. Do you think I can do this? And typically their response is, yes, I believe that you can do this, which gives you that motivation to say, okay, I can do this. Now, how am I going to do it? Now I know I got the support. Now I know that I can do it. How am I going to do it? And the way I do that is just compartmentalize. I mean, I really, I really do just like fixate on one thing until it's done. And then I move on to the next. And I think that if you find, find the balance to like compartmentalize work and then you compartmentalize play, but you also realize that your play can also be a form of work, a form of dedication, then you're going you're gonna to thrive in that as well. And you get to do both of those things kind of simultaneously in life. And it doesn't even feel busy because you're having fun doing it. And like, I think I've identified in my life what I love doing. For me, it's dancing. Like I love teaching dance workshops around the world. I can't tell you how beautiful it is for me to see someone from around the world, from Kenya, let's just say. It happens all the time. You have a good following there. And kids from Kenya who learn my dance without me asking them to, without anything. And then they send it to me and they're like, older brother, I did this. What do you think? I mean, that's that to me is fulfillment. That to me is happiness to see that I can now have an impact on somebody else, you know, no matter how small, no matter how big. Um, and that's what drives me to keep going. And then you start to identify other things that you like to do in life. I mean, I recently got into modeling, you know, that's always was something that was stigmatized for me. You know, it was always stigmatized. It's like, you know, you can't be a model. That's not a profession. Well, who needs it to be a profession, right? Like everyone who's a smart economist will always tell you not to have one source of income. Or to have one, you know, to, to dabble in different things. Well, it can be almost quasi-professional. It can pay for a lot, but it can also lead you to grow your social platform for you to meet some really cool artists along the way. And then those connections lead to other opportunities. It's snowballs, snowballs, snowballs. And it's, and it's a beautiful thing. And for you, like, how do you define an opportunity? Because I feel like you're also very humble when it comes to, you. like you said, you know, you're teaching workshops to all these people in Kenya. And all these kids, right? Like maybe, you know, some people, they want to learn how to dance, but they can't. But at the same time, you know, you also are one to very, you know, when an opportunity sees itself, you know, you work hard, you play hard. How do you, for you, how is like an opportunity defined as? Is it, could it be like uh, just um, being successful in your, what you like? Or is it just having fun? Like, how do you define an opportunity? An opportunity to me is something that I would like to do. Something that interests me. It doesn't necessarily mean that it's something that I knew would interest me. For instance, when I got an internship at NASA doing space law, let's just say that sounds insane, doesn't it? Like it sounded insane to me. Yeah. But I shot my shot when I applied and I didn't hear back from them for seven months. And I applied to 200 other jobs that year. And also, most of them turned me down. I was a first-year law student. I mean, first-year law students don't typically get hired at law firms because why not? Why would you hire a first-year law student when you can hire a second-year law student who have more skills? So it just makes sense. So it's a numbers game, and you don't worry about the rejection, but the right opportunity finds you. And when I, when I got that email from NASA that said, okay, now come work for us, months later without hearing from them, I was like, okay, I dropped the job that I had gotten because that immediately struck me as something that I wanted to do without even knowing that I wanted to do it. When I read that job description, I was like, wait a minute. I didn't even consider this, but this is an opportunity for me because this is something that I want to do. And that's what I define opportunity as, something that could interest me. 
And I, and I appreciate that. I feel like you have a lot of conviction, brother. So like, that's something that, you know, I can look up to. And a lot of people who are like, kind of, you know, understand too, you know, like all this, like social media and all these things that like you're doing on a day to day, I think it's really amazing. And even, you know, just being like doing things that you did, like it's inspiring to me. Like when I saw the mole and you were in Australia, I was like, what the heck? Like, what's he doing in a jungle doing this thing? And I'm like, bro, like you're doing it all. And I, and I really appreciate you, you know, you're a very multifaceted person. So like, how do you also, you do that. And then you also go to like after mole, is there like parties and like and stuff you guys like, are you so close? Like, are you so close to the cast members? I know uh, you and Avery, Avery. Avery yeah. are an awesome pair. And I know that's like something I've been seeing on social media, but I've also saw not on the show recently. It's like literally raw version here. And yeah. so cool that, you know, you guys just went to Vegas and you guys do all these fun things. When you were in that jungle and in Australia, did you find it like any, like uh, any anxiety racing up? Cause you know, you're changing a lot, right? And maybe your your conviction is very strong, but like everyone else goes through stuff. Um, and you don't have to have anxiety necessarily, but I know with me, I have a lot of anxiety. Even, you know, just doing this is like out of my comfort zone, but I'm doing it because like you said, this makes me happy. This is where I want to be. And I'm trying to get more comfortable with that. So, right. Um, did you have any things like that? Or yeah. That? <laughs> no. For sure. I doubt myself all the time, but the, the way I kind of deal with it is that if you're not uncomfortable, you can't grow. And I always remind myself of that. If you're not, if you're not putting yourself in, in, in situations that, that are not as comfortable as you want to be, then you're not really growing. You're, you found your kind of comfort, which is, I mean, it's okay. If that's how you want to live your life, it's a perfectly meaningful way to live life. But for me, I like to be uncomfortable in situations. And, and the mole, for instance, I mean, I, when I first got the opportunity, I didn't think it was a serious opportunity. Someone slid into my DMs. I followed up on a call. I went through the casting process, went through psych evaluations, went through physical examinations, That's all so sorts of stuff. Yeah, I mean, the, the psych eval alone was like five hours. And, and so they're very serious. And there's thousands of applicants, but they also like headhunt a few potential people that they think could be good candidates. They're not offering it to you right away, but they're saying, we think you'd be good for this. Have you ever heard of it? And so I was, I was in that category of contestant where like, you know, they reached out and then I went through the process and, and right. then I had a, a law job between my second year and third year of law school. And it's just like between junior year and senior year of college. When you have that last internship, that's the internship that gives you that full-time job after. So you want, the, you want to do well at that summer job because then you get the job offer. Then you could go into your last year of school and you could feel good that you have a job offer lined up. And so I have the summer job and I have this opportunity from Netflix. And, I'm, and I don't know the scale of the opportunity from Netflix just yet. All I know is that it's some show and I know the basic rules of it. And, I, and some people might just be like, you know what? I can't do it. I need to prioritize my, my law associateship because that's my career on the line that I've worked for for 20 something years. And, and I knew, for instance, my, being South Asian, my parents would have that mentality. They would be like, you can't go and do a show when you have to focus on your career. Um, but my mentality is, you know what, I'm not going to be worried about it. I'm going to just like call the owner of the law firm straight up. And I remember sitting at a Taco Bell parking lot <laughs> uh, and I remember calling the, the owner of the law firm and be like, hey, listen, I just I, got, I had like a sudden gust of confidence because Taco Bell always gives yep. me confidence. Uh, just it's next level. Right. I never feel better than when I'm eating Taco Bell. So I like I call this guy. And I'm like, hey, listen, Peter. So thank you so much for the 12 week 
opportunity to work at your law firm. I know you made a, a hard decision and you bet on me. But now let me tell you something that I have that I think could help your practice and can help my growth. And that is for me to leave America <laughs> in the middle of my internship for 10 weeks or 12 oh. weeks. And uh, I can give you three weeks, maybe four weeks max, but I'll work my ass off. And when I told him that, he never heard of that. He never heard of some intern coming to him with something that crazy. So it kind of perked his ears up. And he actually, believe it or not, gave me that time. He said, you know what? Okay, come here and work here for three and a half weeks. Go to Australia. Do your 12 weeks. Come back. Give me a few more days. And then go to law school. And so he was on board with that. And that's what gave me that confidence to go then to Australia, do quarantine for two weeks, get my phone taken away, lose connection to the world for three, three months. I and it's crazy. I told my parents that I was going on a NASA mission, which cra which crazy. They believed that because I had just finished working for them. So they were actually like, ah, OK, it kind of makes sense. But like they're a little sus of it. <laughs> and I was like, sorry, mom, I can't talk to you for like a couple months. And. And when I got there, for sure, I was anxious. When I got to the forest, I hadn't met any of these players. And I remember walking up to that opening scene where you go to a plane and we were all just told to find a plane and we arrive at a plane. And there's like a hundred people surrounding that area hidden in the trees. You know, you got cameras, you got drones, you got everything. And you, for the first time, you realize how big of a production this really is. And then reality short, sort of like sets in. Like you can't pay attention to it. You got to do your mission. You got to do your challenge. You got to be on it. Um, and that fear, that anxiety almost instantaneously becomes fun also. Yeah. Like, Wait a minute. This is the coolest thing I've ever done in my entire life. I'm across the globe. Everybody's sleeping back in the United States. I'm wide awake in a forest in Australia, in the oldest rainforest in the world. Who gets to do that? So if you always remind yourself to put yourself in situations that are unique, then that can be a driving force. You know, you do your podcast. Not many people do podcasts, you know, but people yeah. that get to do podcasts and talk about cool things, I commend them for it because that's important. It's important to have the conversations and make your, and put yourself into conversation with people. And you asked me about my relationship with my cast, you know, like about Avery and stuff like that. I'm actually close with everyone on the cast. And that's because I believe that people will give you the time that you give them. So I just got off the call before this podcast with Dom from the show. He's also a good buddy of mine. And so we, I stay in contact almost daily with an entire group. I'm the one that created the group chat for the entire cast. I'm the one that kind of moderates everything. It's because I believe in having those relationships because you never know how they're going to benefit you in some other way. If you give someone your time and respect, they're going to give you their time and their respect. And that's what it's all about. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's crazy. Cause like you're, you're one of those people that, you know, you would think like after doing one thing, you'd stick to it, but you're still trying to evolve and break the system, which I think is very commendable because not a lot of people have that kind of ability or that drive to just, hey, reach out to a castmate. You know, basically you're done with the show. There's not a reason for you to really reach out if you didn't want to, but you go the extra mile. And I think it like, you know, it's good. I see Avery's like, like a uh, post on your, like her story, still commending you, you guys going to Vegas, like doing all these fun things. And I'm like, damn, I wish I had friends like that and stuff, you know? And well, fortunately with you, we have a good connection. So, you know, like in the future, there's always opportunity to like grow and just collaborate. But I do it with the ability of just being like, you know, 
podcast, talk about like a little bit of mental health and just get to connect with people. But I, I always try to, you know, give my spin of little things, you know? So yeah, dude, it's, it's amazing to hear your story. Oh, well, I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So how's, uh, how's, um, I guess, so is dancing still part of like, uh, something you're still a part of like Aphrodisia and your co-founder for that? Is that still, uh, part of your life? Are you still, cause I know you're juggling a lot of things at once right now and also trying to grow, like be actually pretty active on other social media forums. So how's Aphrodisia doing and stuff? And are you still, uh, you know, is that still part of like a decent part of your life as well? Or are you like, yeah, no, it's a huge part of my life. I mean, I started in 2018 during COVID. We were going really strong through 2019. And then Akash had to move because of an H1B visa situation. So he actually had to leave and he, he found a really good opportunity in London. So he moved to London and uh, the two other members of Aphrodisia Ashoka, who's in Mumbai, um, he teaches there regularly, and we had it. We added a girl member, our first and only girl member, who is better than all three of the boys. Her name <laughs> is Natasha. She's absolutely, I think, one of the best dancers I've ever seen. And that's the thing: if you can't, if you don't have, if you put your ego aside, then you can start to get someone even better than you. And that's what Akash and I always talked about. It's like if we're we're good dancers and we're confident in ourselves, but we wanted our next team member to be even better than us. And then we want the next team member to be even better than them because that's what it's all about. It's putting your ego aside and welcoming new talent because look, in the world, someone will always be better than you. But if you have the opportunity to work from them, to learn from them, to create with them, then that forms like an awesome, awesome mentorship type of relationship. And I live off of my mentors in life. I have mentors in law. I have mentors in dance. And I, and I live off of them. If you believe that you have the formula to everything, you're doing it wrong. There's always something to learn from others who've done it longer or who've done it better or more successfully. Um, but yeah, I teach all the time. I mean, during COVID, I taught online quite a lot. I would just hold streams. It's just kind of uncanny. It's like in my little apartment, I would just put up a OBS studio, open up a stream and That's just awesome. do it myself. And there would be a couple thousand people from around the world that are on the stream, but I can't see them. And I never charged for the workshops because it was coronavirus. I mean, People are struggling. People are inside. So my entire thing is I want people to be able to move. I want people to be able to dance and have a good time during what is a global pandemic, you know, um, and that was fulfilling for me just to be able to create and teach other people. And now now it's dying down. Now we get to do more. So we just taught in New York. Natasha came from Denmark and Akash flew in from uh, London. We just taught recently. I'm teaching soon uh, next Friday or no, next Saturday, November 5th. Um, I'm teaching a big workshop in New York with a couple hundred people and just kind of keep going. I think uh, dances, it, 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 I've been fortunate enough with Afro-Desi where no matter where I want to travel in life, I can. Because once I travel to that location, I can then announce that I'm doing a workshop and people will come through and it helps my expenses with traveling. And it also pushes me to continue to create content. Um, and now recently we just started this thing called Afro Desi Night, which is like a little bit branch off of dancing, which is like now, the, now that the brand has gotten some recognition, now what we did is in New York, we throw, we've thrown two so far, one in June and one just now uh, earlier this month, where we just rent out a club, we fly in our DJs, because Afro Desi also comes with its own style of music, right? It's a mix of Afro in Indian music. So we got our own DJ. So we fly our DJs in, they throw a set, the entire Indian community in New York comes around. Obviously you should come to the next Afro Desi night. It is fun. Yeah. 
yeah um so yeah man it's going strong i love it i love dancing i i can't stop i won't stop that's just a part of it and honestly it's, it doesn't feel like work you know dude and that's something like i've always wanted to learn like i know in college i i looked at the isos and all these other like dance groups but i always was very like just shy you know in general but i felt like when i go to the dance floor like or a club i let loose and i love to have fun and i'm like that's me but i'm just shy on the camera so maybe i need somebody like you or somebody to just break me out of my shell and i'll come and just dance so is there a dance for people who also can't like i guess maybe afford it or have like a free class just to learn and get involved because like a lot of people are also shy right to break out like this anxiety with that too right so like I'm sure, I don't know, I'm sure you've had it, and maybe you perform in front of a big audience, and you're like, yo, can't believe I'm doing this. So, like, um, yeah. you know, like, I'm I'm sure it's something crazy to talk about, you know? So Yeah, man, there's opportunities to learn dancing everywhere. I mean, there's tutorials, there's endless tutorials online. But, I mean, I always say, if you want to learn dance, go learn in person. There's, uh, If someone asks me about classes in New York, I'll be the first to recommend other people. If I'm not teaching, I'll be like, here's a list of people go learn from them because there's people from all, you know, and just put yourself out there. You don't have to be on video. You don't have to worry about other people. In the moment you realize in life that like, it doesn't really matter what somebody thinks of you dancing. You yeah. know, once you put life into perspective, I have, ex I have existential thoughts all the time. You know, like, I'm just like, <laughs> you know what? Does it really matter what this random person next to me believes about me? Or yeah. is it just me in my own space? It really doesn't matter. They, no. And honestly, if you have fun and you you enjoy it, no matter how good you're dancing, people will love watching you dance because they see that you love doing it. That's what translates into that's what changes dancing into performing. You know, dancing is moves, but performing is adding your heart and soul into it. And when you do it and you feel the music, it doesn't matter whether you mess up. It doesn't matter. People will vibe with you. No, that's that's such a powerful message. And I'm definitely going to take that into account. Maybe even after this, I'm going to go shoot. I'll just try to have a fun dance party and, you know, just vibe yeah. it. So it'd be sick. And, like, yeah, if you're ever in Germany and stuff, I mean, if you're ever traveling back, always, you have always a home here. Just come say what's up, you know? You're always welcome. Bring Where are you? I'm in Morris Plains, like, New Jersey. Morris <laughs> Plains. So, I mean, my parents still live – My I, I'm still in Paramus. So – Okay. Maybe I'll not, – not bad, huh? Yeah, I come down all the time. You know, it would be cool. One of these one of these trips that I come down, I come down to New York maybe once every other weekend. Um, and one of these trips down, we should, um, we'll stay in touch after this. And you know what would be cool? Because Swadhyay was a big part of my life growing up. Yeah. And I mean, to this day, I'm, I'm like, I'm so tied to my culture and my religion. So I would love it if, you know, we got a, we got like a little group session with some of the, some of the boys and we kind of just hung out for a little bit, talked talked life and uh had some fun it's so weird because i actually reintroduced it to reinforce it in a part of my life recently because during the pandemic i felt like you know like how you used to have those open topics and those like you know just open circle and you just kind of go around fe feeling like like you know everybody's opinion like that really built my confidence dude and i feel like that's why i do like what i do sometimes and it comes out subliminally right i'm like yo wait like how people are like how are you doing this i was like well we had like all these different things growing up and stuff you know but as a brown in the brown community you came up right so like how do you uh that was one of the topics like i wanted to talk to you about I was like how how do you kind of deal with that because i know you know like my channel i get the, that that conversation you have a lot of brown people it just happens to be that because i end up connecting with brown people but i would love to have diversity so how do you connect with uh just coming up a brown community like how do you see yourself and how do you see this impact on the community too right because i'm sure 
these people look up to you and i also want to bring diversity to my podcast so take it away i want to yeah man like i think it's a little bit you know you got to find your balance like we we're, we're south asians that were born I mean, I don't know if you were born in the U.S., but yeah, yeah, you were. So, born we're we're, a lot of us are born and raised in the U.S. at this point. You know, we're like we're like first or second generation at this point. So, we don't just have Indian friends; we have friends from all different walks of life, all different cultures, and it's a beautiful thing. And I I just stay open in my relationships with people of all cultures. Um, And I, you know, I started with the brown community, and I find you know the way I sort of came up in my formula was. If I show my brown community support, if I show my fellow artists support, some of them will say, some of them will show me support back. Okay. Those that don't, it's okay, you know. And there is something that I've noticed in the in the South Asian arts, and maybe it goes to other cultures. I'm just not in their in their circles just yet. But in our in our circles, what I noticed and what pushed me to start my own dance company was that you know I was I got the short end of the stick quite a few times in the dance community. Growing up, and, you know, uh, you know, when I started dancing in college, uh, my college team sort of screwed me over because of some political stuff. And 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 a group of my friends, I remember I uploaded a dance video that I filmed for one of my friends um, and I just put it up on Facebook and I just filmed it with an iPhone. And then like four of my friends who have like this film company, they like had an intervention with me and. <laughs> They sat me down in a New York restaurant and they were like, listen, Brunov, like, we're the professionals. We're the ones that create professional product. You can't do professional product. And that was that didn't sit well with me because I'm the type of person if someone tells me I can't do something. Yeah, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it and I'm going to put my heart into it. And it's not it's not just like vengeful. It can maybe sound vengeful, but it's not vengeful because I don't hold hate for that person. It's just motivation it's just a little bit of something to put a chip on my shoulder and say okay i can do this watch me hold my beer and and then you go do it and uh and in the brown community oftentimes in the artist community there's a lot of people that get taken advantage of because kind of the idea is that every person is replaceable that i've seen as like a very common theme if a dance company owner doesn't pay their dance company members enough money for certain gigs and the company members are like, you know what, we're going to leave. That's okay to that, to that company owner because it's like, ah, you're replaceable. There's like 15 other South Asian dancers that are willing to do it for free. Right. And that isn't a healthy mo- mentality because I believe that whoever is putting in their blood, sweat, and tears deserves to be compensated, deserves to be made whole, right? And like that needs to be respected. And in the arts, especially in dance, that sort of compensation is like this sort of weirdly sticky conversation and i don't think it needs to be sticky if i have dancers and if i hire and i decide to do things differently for my dance company if i have a gig and if i get four or five dancers to come out with me based on their time i will give them and if i'm getting a cut i will lower my cut to make sure that they get handsomely paid for their time because that's the right way to do it because they're putting their time for me and um you give respect, you get respect. And I learned my lessons from my previous companies that I was involved with, from my previous dance, com- from my dance team. And I kind of just carried those lessons forward. 
And I think it, it, it's starting to work. And now the South Asian community is honestly awesome. If, if, you know, if we hang out in New York or something like that, I'm sure at any moment you'll meet like some of these artists that I'm with in the South Asian community that are truly just like me, um, that do it the right way and that support each other. And it's a beautiful thing and it's a beautiful circle to get involved in because uh, it really kind of gives you confidence. You know, my, uh, the, South, the biggest thing with South, sorry, I don't mean to rant, but let me, let me say my last. The, the, the biggest <laughs> thing with South Asians that I feel, with brown people especially, is that we're very like, if someone's in the art, if someone's in the arts, there's like a 90% chance that they're like a dentist or like a doctor or like a lawyer on the side. Yeah. Like, like, like that's just like a thing that comes with being brown. Like you, you already accomplished some ridiculous feat academically and you didn't get to apply yourself in the arts as much as you maybe wanted to because of stigma, because of parental pressure, because of whatever it is, all the talks that you get. And I got them. Believe me, I got all of them. Whew. And it's hard. It's a hard conversation to have because you want to have your parents support because your parents support means everything to you. Because in our culture, respect for your parents and their opinions is everything. Right. Uh -huh. That's number one. So if you don't feel like you have the respect of your parents, you'd feel like maybe you don't have that confidence to go do it yourself. You feel kind of, you know, shackled. But you got to listen to your other South Asians around you, people who grew up here, people who understand the kind of mix of culture that we grew up with. And once you start talking to those types of people, then you get confidence in yourself. And that's what happened to me. I have big brothers, big sisters in the South Asian artist community that yeah. kind of gave me that confidence. And now it's the onus is on me to spread it to others. Yeah. And like, you feel that you got all this knowledge from all these people that now it's like your ability. Like, like you're saying, you're like being someone's big brother or big yeah, big brother and someone, you know, you can tutor some, uh, uh, a person that is just wants to come up like you, but you're doing it selflessly, you know? And I think, like you said, you have the formula, you're impacting others and having fun, right? So there's no way, you're not right? Right, exactly. Bet on yourself, bet on yourself, respect others, you'll get the respect. If someone wrongs you, don't ever dwell on it. If someone wrongs you, go to the next person. It's not, it's not worth dwelling on and feeling down about it because what others say to you ultimately they're just words this world is full of seven billion people most of which are very very good humans that's why the world keeps turning every single day the majority of the population is good yeah yeah and that's a very healthy like perspective to have and i can just tell totally like you're smiling through it but like you you know everything you're saying it's like resonating within me because i feel like yeah there's good there has to be good people out there right like we have a whole economy I mean, if everyone was evil and being selfless, selfish or whatever, you know, we wouldn't be able to do what we do now. Even like the internet is such a big thing, filming and doing all these different things. And our generation versus the previous generation, we have so much that our parents didn't, right? Like a freaking calculator was $100. Now there's a calculator on our iPhone, right? Like how does that is even possible? And even TikTok and all these different new fat platforms are giving us B-reels, are giving us like all these different like engines to just be like almost like not famous but also have some kind of like following and support right so you know i really appreciate it brother i think you're you're headed down a great path and you know just like from your like i guess your generation like our generation what would you say you have learned have you learned any any anything new recently stuff i know you're always constantly seeing new things but on your adventures and stuff have you seen like hey like things are different like maybe let's say when you went to switzerland did you see like different culture different 
vibes yeah. and stuff. I, you know, we all saw videos of you kind of like taking a photo shoot there for a little bit. So, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, hey, I think that you hit the nail on the head. Like, what it is is that we grew up in a, in a new generation. We grew up in, in the 21st century and more recently, especially I noticed after COVID, uh, COVID changed. COVID changed the entire world. It meant that work doesn't need to be in the office. The majority of work can be done out of the office. It means that you can now make time for your mental health. You can make time for your, for your actual physical health. Um, you can create content from your phone because now our phones are capable of creating content on their own. You don't need a camera. You don't need anything. Everything is at your finger tr- fingertips. And with podcasts, with whatever type of content you've created, I think one thing that I've recently learned that has given me more confidence is that giant companies have now shifted their marketing and their advertising attention not to television advertises because fewer people are watching live television now they've shifted their money their funds their efforts into funding ordinary humans who have minute followings to even giant followings and they're paying them and they're saying push if you like our product make a video about the product and we'll pay you and they're incentivizing you to become influencer to this today in 2022 and Coming up on 2023, influencer is a profession. It's not just a profession that makes a little bit of money. It's a profession that can make you a million dollars a year if you really put your time and effort into it. Without education, without anything, you just have to find your voice. If you go on TikTok, there is an audience for every single type of video you can name. There's an audience for it. It could be the weirdest thing. It could be the most inspirational thing. It could be the funniest thing. It could be... Anything you want, there's an audience for it. And as long as you're consistent and as long as you're just being yourself, there's going to be a group of people that are going to now start to follow you. And then there's going to be companies that are going to be like willing to work with you. And so that's something that's new that I've kind of only recently become cognizant of, really. And that's what sort of inspired me to take the next step in life, to turn it up a notch and say, okay. Content is content, but now can I do some good with it? Can I build my social platform and then do something good with it? Hassan Minhaj, big inspiration of mine. The way he built up his platform is awesome. And not just that, he built up his platform. And if you, what I love about him is that he built up his platform and then used the platform. He uses it in such a nice way. He built up a platform and then uses it in a way to also inform the public about key issues, about key things that are happening while also adding a little bit of humor to it. Yeah. And it makes that information so easy to understand. And for him, it's easy to disseminate. And it's a beautiful little relationship. And he's doing it the right way. And he's a South Asian that's doing it the right way. And he's just one of many examples. And uh, that's, that's awesome. And I implore you to do that too. I mean, like you're doing the podcast, after you talk to me, you talk to others, and you just keep it going. I, and then you just and then you just put it yeah. online, put it online, and yeah, talk yeah. to people. No, I love connecting with others, man. I've always been yeah. that. I've always been the person that wants to meet a lot of people, and I really appreciate it. And you know, just it's great to have you on. Do you have any questions for me? I know from a podcast perspective, did you ever think about starting your own podcast, maybe, or you know, just I know doing your own thing about it. Cause I feel like, you know, you're a fan, right? So maybe your other podcast too and stuff too. Like I look up to, you know, so many podcasts, so many podcasters and stuff too, but I don't want to know if I, you want to know the names, but 
you know. No, no. Truth be told, truth be told, I haven't, I haven't been big on podcasts my entire life until this year. I really haven't. I, I was always like a music listener. I mean, I'd watch like YouTube videos and stuff like that, but podcasts are something that are new to me, and I think they're amazing because now I've started to listen to podcasts like when I work out or anything like that, or I'm doing some light reading. Like podcasts are like that voice in my head that like just helps me. And yeah. I guess now I'm gonna interview. I'm let 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 the turntables, and. <laughs> Let's turn to it. Uh, what are your goals right now? How do you balance your life, and what are your big goals? You can name anything. Not, not. It doesn't have to be realistic because honestly, anything is realistic. So, what is your big goal? You could do it if you could drop your desk job right now, or if you don't want to, you love your desk job if you have one. Yeah. What's the goal? Goal is to right now to just be like be in the most physical shape of my life. I want to be a boxer actually. Um, so I've been actually boxing like a no tomorrow. Actually. Wow. And uh, I've been cutting like weight, like crazy, but you know, I never got to that level because of Indian genetics and stuff too. Right. Like all this gene stuff that like we have as Indians and stuff. And I'm not bat- bashing Indian DNA, but you know, just, I have to work twice as hard as somebody who's a different breed or has way more protein. Are you vegetarian by any chance or, or, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So it's harder to gain protein or find sources of protein like somebody else that eats meat or a carnivore diet. So I'm just trying to, you know, be a boxer also like box. I also work at the federal reserve bank. So like, you know, I'm an, I'm, I'm an IT manager almost, but at the same time, I have so many other passions. I'm in a real estate. So in the next few years, I definitely want to have a six pack. I'd be hitting 160 pounds. I want to box. I want to be in this influencer space that you're talking about but like meet people organically authentically have my own like you said inner voice and then the last thing is just be happy and make fun content for people you know just have a great job and i love where i work you know but at the same time i also have other passions like traveling i want to go to mount everest so you know if you're ever down brother let me know like i'm i actually am everest base camp trek is one of the things on my bucket list it's been up there for years I've been trying to get a group to go out there and just spend two weeks to go do that I'll trek. Come. I'll come. <laughs> I love that. I'll come. I love that. Literally went to Vermont. I went to Yosemite by myself. I did backpacking for, I think, like three days. I did 55 miles in two days by myself. Wow. And, like, found all these people and lived with bugs. I had black widows in, like, my freaking tent. And then, you know, just came back out the next day and went hiking again. So, um, you know, just doing things like that on my own, but then also meeting people and connecting and stuff. And I have a hobby with Polaroid too. And I take Polaroids of everything. So I have a channel for that as well. So, you know, I would love to have a photo shoot with you and stuff too. And collab, you know, that'd be sick. Let's do it. I'm, I'm always in. I'm a man of my word and we'll make that happen. I think the boxing stuff that you're talking about is sick. I mean, I, I remember <laughs> I watched myself on the mall. And I'm like 20 pounds lighter. I'm 20 pounds lighter. And, and after I got back from the mall, I was like, I was like 140 pounds. I was like, re- and I'm like six foot. So I was like really like, I was really skinny. And, and I, yeah, I got serious about it. And I put on like 20, now I'm like 160. And I put on like 20 pounds of muscle. And I went every day, like every day. Like I was just going every day in the gym. I was like not having it. I was like, if the world is about to see me on national television, I want them to then come to my social media and be like, oh, he like he got fit. And like and you're right. I mean, Indi- being Indian is difficult. Like it's it's very difficult to put on weight, man. You got to push yourself to new limits all the time. I mean, I'm like I, I sometimes work out till I'm almost passed out. 
<laughs> and then and then you got to feed yourself like no other you got to just eat, 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 eat and like and healthy and healthy and 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 it pays off i mean consistently consistency pays off it's a formula for life in everything if you do something consistent consistently it works no matter what if you do it consistently it works um and that's kind of the beauty of it and i, lo- I love that you're getting into to to polaroids to ca- to camera work and honestly let me ask you this if if someone said let's say national geographic said umang we're going to give you a year's salary take it off go travel go take pictures are you saying yes yeah duh <laughs> you leave it, are you leaving your job and you're going to go say yes if if it's a year's salary yeah if it's less than a year's salary then i might waver a little bit just right. cuz cuz I'm, I'm 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 like you said like i'm covered for the year so i can save come back and i know my value at work cuz I I have so many connections at work bro like people are willing to keep me at work so I know if I come back I always have something to fall back on especially from the connections I made at work the connections I've online mm-hmm. uh, anything less than a year probably not because if it's like 6 months or if it's a like cutting close like 3 months then it might be a little tough to just because mm-hmm. I have real estate so I have like bills to pay off but again it has to be the opportunity like it depends on the opportunity you know what I mean like what I'm doing You know, so if it was like a like what you did like reality show, like that's freaking sick. It's dope. It's something that like I would definitely ask you before I did it too. Like, yo, should I do it? And, you know, whatever. You I should. Do. The answer is yes. I mean, the the yeah. right opportunity, you do it. Like when I was filming the mole, I remember the people at Netflix. Some people who were like in house at Netflix were also traveling with us, and they were like, "Hey, like you're Indian, like you might be a great fit for like Indian matchmaking. Would you consider doing Indian matchmaking?" And I remember being like. Absolutely not because that wasn't the type of show that I wanted to be on. Not to knock on Indian matchmaking, it's just like I didn't want to get an arranged marriage from Seema Aunty on national television. That's not something that interested me, you know? Um and and so you don't want to clout chase. And I call it clout chase because you want to do the right opportunity for you. And there are opportunities. There's show opportunities, there's brand, there's advertisement opportunities, everything. Um and let's just put like one thing in perspective, like like commercial modeling. I recently got into it and I didn't have the belief that people would want to cast me for certain roles, you know, like how marketable is brown bearded. Well, it turns out it's very marketable because there's not a lot of brown bearded dudes getting into those types of gigs because they're all busy being engineers, lawyers, doctors and whatever. So, if you put yourself out there and you go to an agency and say, "Hey, look, I want to get into this stuff." They're not looking for the hottest people, the most six-pack people. They're looking for ordinary people. If you look in an advertise, they're looking for ordinary people. who have like a good heart who have good charisma to just be on screen. So that's something that you could do. That's something that you could do to put yourself out there. You have to be a star. So I'm actually very interested by that because that's cool and that's like such a side gig that's like I didn't I wasn't even I didn't even was sure that was a thing until you mentioned it. Is that something that like you got you got to apply for or you have to cut wait for it or is that something you can literally go in and they may just look at your face and be like, "Okay, Sure. Yeah, I mean it's a cutthroat. It's it's kind of cutthroat, I guess. Like I've definitely I think it's harder for girls definitely more on like their bodies. I think guys they're a little yeah. bit more flexible, but like yeah, I mean if someone says no, I mean, you know how many modeling agencies there are in the world? Like you just go to the next one. You just go to the next one and that's it. And then and then what you put into something like that is what you're going to get out of it. If you build a really good portfolio, you really put yourself out there like I created a website real quick. I spent a day creating a website it's not hard i mean i know you can create a website in a day anybody can today's day create that put up a portfolio and then go to a few modeling agencies just walk through the door and be like look i want to do it here's my portfolio in hand 
Let me know if you have any opportunities. And if they say no, still leave the portfolio and be like, okay, that's okay, but I'm going to leave my portfolio here. You give me a call. I'm definitely interested. And you walk out. And that your confidence and your charisma will carry you. And people will always just want to work with you, you know? And it works. It works. After this, because it's, like, interesting to, like, talk about. And even if, like you said, there's nothing to lose, right? You just show them a portfolio. You show them a few pictures. And, you know, if, eventually if one of them comes back and, like, you got to be this way and I'm, like, two pounds away, like, sure. I'll be too bad. Oh, yeah. No, they don't even go by weight. What they typically do is uh, it's it's pretty late notice. So it'll be like there's a gig in a few days. If you get signed to an agency, right? Let's say you get signed to an agency. That's step number one, which is not like you have to be like a Calvin Klein model. But let, let's just you got signed to an agency. Then your agent gets a cut out of whatever your paycheck is. So they're already incentivized to find you opportunities. Right. And typically how it goes is like there's a shoot in a few days. Send us a picture of what you look like right now. They want to know exactly what you look like right now. So you send, a, you send them a picture. You send them your slate, it's called. And based on your slate, they'll make that final decision. They'll put you on hold, and then they'll, put, they'll make a decision. If you get it, you get it. If not, not. You just move on to the next one and whatever. No hard feelings. But if you put in that work, I mean, if you shoot your shot at 10 gigs that are each like two grand for like a few, a few hours of your time in front of a camera, I mean – that's that's some pretty good money and and it's also fun it gets your name out there you know i've done a commercial for hasbro recently and saw that where you're shooting with like the nerf guns yeah nerf guns that was so fun like it was like a new like new nerf gun coming out i was like yeah sure that's awesome that's why that's why i was like wait like i know you're generally busy like you know other people say when they're busy like 24 hours a day in your case you're actually busy so that's why i was like yeah my man's shooting nerf guns right now let me just go remote my girlfriend has been doing this for 10 years and she has a job and she'll just, and she can go remote thankfully at her job and she'll just go to the studio, work, wake up, work early a little bit, do the shoot for two hours, log back in, get back into work and just finish your day because you know, the shoot paid you what is typically like a week salary for anybody. And you just got that in a few hours and there's your rent, you know, and then you move on. Or shout out to your girlfriend, but I don't know her name, but shout out to her. Sabrina. Yeah, you'll meet her. Yeah. You, yeah. Sabrina, shout out to her. And uh, yo, like that's that's awesome, dude. And love having you on the show. Uh, you want to do like a quick rapid fire round? Just real quick? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go. Wait, well, I didn't hear the question. Favorite food? Go. Taco Bell, Mexican pizza. All right. Favorite uh, actor? Go. Uh, Johnny Depp. Favorite girl in the world? Sabrina, my girlfriend. I knew it. Favorite, uh, favorite, um, I would say favorite, uh, car, type of car. Austin Martin DB9. Okay, sick. And last one, your favorite podcaster. You. Done. 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 Easy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, bro. That was easy. Should I, should I stop, uh, the recording or? Yeah, we're good. But yo, thanks for coming on. Appreciate it. Yeah, I'll right. unmute myself on the other, yeah. <laughs>